So again, I needed you on the show today to discuss a heavier topic. I don't usually talk about heavy things. Sometimes there's something going on in the world and I need to touch on it or mention it or acknowledge it. But this is a cultural topic that goes beyond just it being heavy. Like this is a black topic in itself. And Uh so I wanted to have the same person I had the last heavy conversation with on the show, that being JD Silverthorne, AKA Mr. B-Side. Thank you for joining me today, Mr. B-Side. Are you excited? I am. This is this is absolutely my kind of shit. Like, it's right up my alley. Yes, yes. Like, it's a mix of what you do plus what I do plus just Blackness in general. Yeah, because it, and Blackness is really all that needed. Yes. You are so right. Blackness is almost all it needed to be sometimes. Sometimes I hear things and it's like, this is Black. I can, I can do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm interested. You got me. <laughs> Exactly. That's all. That's all I need to show up. So is black people there? Is black food there? Black music there? I'm there. So this Listen, is just one of those watched things. Have you Tyler Perry's The Anything? Sometimes <laughs> yes. it's like, I'm just watching this because there are black people on TV and the other options aren't what they're white. So I have to sit through this. That's the only reason why I even know a title of a Tyler Perry show. <laughs> like, that is exactly why. <laughs> Well, I mean, again, starting the conversation off with some narcissists. We're we're, we're doing well. <laughs> right? Oh my gosh, man. Okay, so today's heavy topic is the new-ish docu-series, We Need to Talk About Cosby. And I'm sure if you use your context clues out there and you're listening, <laughs> I'm sure you can figure out what this docu-series is about. It's all about Mr. Bill Cosby. It was released earlier this year, 2022, four parts. So four separate episodes, an hour or maybe more uh, longer, each episode released on Showtime. And it was directed and created by Kamau Bell, who is a comedian um, director. You may have seen him on maybe CNN or just having a stand-up special on Comedy Central. He's very talented, very funny. And the purpose of this documentary, I would say, or what my takeaway was, is how America's dad descended into a monster. Mm. So I, I kind of just want, let's start off with, with general reactions. What was your for, first reaction to this docuseries? Because it has comedians, journalists, experts, victims, and more included. And so overall watching this documentary or even hearing about it, do you think like this is something necessary? Did it make you uncomfortable? What what was the original reaction? This was finally the most necessary one that I'd seen as far as any sort of a breakdown about Cosby and his existence. Um, I felt like right after the original fallout in like 20, was it 15 now? 15, 16? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a long time. Yeah. Um, I feel like right after that, you know, we got, uh, you know, some Lifetime style, you know, R. Kelly, you know, kind of docu-series things going on. There were a lot of victims on TV and people were organizing that content the best way they saw fit. But this was one of these takes that actually put into perspective his offerings to society in the mix of these offenses. Um, so you could really just compare and contrast exactly what we were seeing based, you know, 
compare and contrast what we were seeing versus what was actually happening. Mm, right. Um, and that was the thing that really blew me. I, I had no, I had no preconceived notions about it. I do remember thinking another one, but just based off the preview, I was like, okay, I'll at least watch a few minutes of it. And when I realized that I was going to learn about this person's rise to fame and all of his OGs and the people that he had camaraderie with throughout this right. time, I was right. going to be able to get a grand picture exactly of how this person's star turned into what it was and burst the way that it did. And man, is it a distorted picture, if you will, or very, very abstract to say the least. Now, I love the word that you used when asking that question, like, how did you feel like initial reaction? You said necessary. This is necessary. Now, Although it's necessary, do you feel like this is something uncomfortable to discuss or difficult to discuss being a Black man who follows Black culture? Well, I will say I have a little bit of a a deep-rooted history with Cosby as I um, had a small leg up on this information about him before this, you know, the entire falling out happened. And growing up, I was a huge, huge Cosby fan. Like, I really was just sort of, like, bred into, like, a a lot of black comedy. Because around the time we were growing up, you know, black comedy excellence was really at its peak. You know, we were doing a lot more sharing. There's a lot of Wayans and Cosby and Martin and Def Jam and all this stuff is going on. And it's all very, very hard to ignore if you're a young black child. And Cosby was just the epitome of that. I did him for every single Black History project, every single one. And the wow. the weirdest year was in 2004, whenever I saw a deposition that was uh-huh. on Google. Yeah, uh-huh. there was a live deposition about, you know, a woman had, having accused him of something that you could see. And just like people do sort of now, like I mean, when I say this, I do mean almost predominantly Black men who are caping for terrible Black men. Um, I was immediately like, is she lying? This person might be taking advantage of Bill Cosby for money because the only other cases of anything like this I had to think of was Michael Jackson. And that was the biggest note people were making. They kept saying, you know, these people are trying to take advantage of Michael Jackson's money. I kept hearing that over and over again. So all I knew was to assume that a poor victim or somebody who was not somebody of any power was lying to take advantage of the man who was being accused. Right. And I let it roll off of me like I didn't think too much of it. But, of course, 2004, I'm 13 years old. I'm still learning a lot about a lot of stuff. Um, but a few years later, literally spent time with Hannibal Burris, um, and he came to Raleigh-Durham. And the next show he did, he told those jokes about Bill Cosby on the plane. And his whole thing, the whole thing just fell apart from that point on. So I had a really weird, like strong rooted to to how emotionally attached I was to this specific comedian. Like he was my favorite at a time for years and years. So watching this fallout, it was very, very interesting. And it probably changed my life forever because I haven't I haven't given a pass to anybody since this has happened. Like I've stopped idolizing people. All together, like anyone can right. get it now. Like I'm, I'm at the point now where, like, you know, I love Jay Z. Like, if I find out Jay Z does something crazy, I'll just delete all of his shit. Like, you know, like, and it's hard for me to say that, but 
that's where I am. Cosby taught me how to not idolize people altogether because of what he did. Right, right, man. And so it's a different type of difficult or uncomfortableness for you because sure, like he was a father figure to all of us on our TVs. But again, mm-hmm. this was someone that you you studied or you did research on to do projects right. on. And so finding out that way and at such a an early an early year and all the allegations like coming coming to light that is very interesting because again like you said most people don't know about the the dark side of Cosby until 2014 2015 and so right. you had that 10 year decade leg up about this information that a lot of people weren't privy to or just weren't exposed to or didn't care to know about or like you said just assume that y'all are just trying to take advantage of Cosby because he's Cosby like he's he's one of the greats and so who wouldn't come up with a story to get some money out of him or make him look bad right right I mean not to mention pop culture at the time was just defending men all all to all together like it was just happening that way like men were winning these situations where there were some actual problems going on and it wasn't thought of too much at all literally up until you know the internet exists in the right that it does I don't really know that conversations about victims were even taking place about whether or not we should care about them. Right. Like was Oprah inviting victims on or were just these things happening? And then she was having the person that did it on. And that person was like, I didn't do it. (laughs) And, you know, that was just kind of it. You know, like I kind of feel like there wasn't really a lot of vocalizing victims in general growing up. And you have to think, um, sorry, you said something. Oh, you had something I had a note about. I'm so sorry. I tapped out of it. Continue. I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're fine. But I just wanted to to just grasp how that, that is an uncomfortable conversation to have as a as a black person in the culture as well, just because it isn't one of our our figures. This is one of our, our shining lights and brights, as they would say. And so we we don't have a lot of positive figures who can go a, a long way to say that, you know, they are a figure in the education system in in, in right. like in children's lives and in family households like in in that regard and so it's it's a different type of uncomfortable when discussing Bill Cosby like sure it's uncomfortable to talk about R Kelly cuz we like singing along to stuff but this man was kind of shaping us you know yeah. <laughs> and and R Kelly's content actually super tracks his behavior too like he's got you know, when people talk about like back in the day where rappers would accidentally go to jail for having a bar where they admitted that they shot somebody, like well, you said it, so you got to go to jail. R. Kelly's got music where it's like, yes, yes, you did this. <laughs> there's no way, there's no way you didn't do this. I've heard the song, like you can't do that, right? And, but in, right. in 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 real time, also, there's a little bit of behavior where Cosby's behavior tracks also, and mm-hmm. that the documentary does do a, a better job at sort of highlighting. You know, you know what was in plain sight? This, that, and the third. You know, there was a few things (laughs) where you're like, right, he did make the joke about the Spanish fly being in the girls' drinks. Right. That was weird. That was weird. There's a tweet that I have saved in my phone from 2011 Mm -hmm. where Bill Cosby says, thank you, at Selena Gomez. Thank you for you know what. And I screenshotted it in 2011 and was like, what the hell? Bill Cosby talking about what was he doing with Selena Gomez he was on Twitter because he was a star at the time nobody knew this man for being 
a complete pervert, but I did. And I remember being like, this is weird. Also, Dirty Rock, there's a season, there's an episode where Tracy Morgan tells a literal joke where he's having a fake conversation with Bill Cosby and says, I know what you did to my aunt. That was in 2007. Comedians have always known that he was a rapist. Always. Always. And I mean, literally, like, as often as they could without being completely blacklisted would throw it into the mix in little different ways. And every time I caught something like that, I would be like, that's right. (laughs) I do know that Cosby is a wild boy. And I had no idea how wild he was. But, yeah, it's, it's been... It's been in plain sight for much longer than we gave it credit for. Exactly. And so transitioning in, into the actual docu-series part one, I'll try to discuss this documentary in order of the parts, but you know, Cosby's timeline and resume is long. And so some things get a little blurred, but mm-hmm. the docu-series starts with a simple and basic question, like who is Bill Cosby to you? And a lot of people had a lot of different answers. And so, you know, just starting plain Jane with you, like today as a black man, 2022, who is, who is Bill Cosby? If you had to explain it to the next person who didn't know anything. I, I would explain to the next person that Bill Cosby is probably the epitome of how far, you can go as a black man in America for the time that he was born and the cost of that power and what it looks like um, if, in fact, you don't know how to manage yourself. You know, I I think he's a great example of what, um, not necessarily like Uncle Tomism, but he's a great example of what it looks like when a black man thinks he's above race. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, and then honestly, using race to sort of be that that leg up, you know, like the same way you know people have a gimmick. Tyler Perry uses Jesus, you know. Cosby was using, you know, family and wholesomeness as his whole standard for being. Like I'm better than all of you. Like I'm raising my kids better than you guys. I'm gonna show you. I promise. <laughs> you know, like I'm gonna figure out a way to teach you guys how to raise black families and make it fun and make it education based and you know how to treat people with respect and tell all these silly stories and I will I'm also an advocate for knowing that he is big on making fun of kids and that kind of humor has always sort of been questionable and we should be assessing comedians that do that too much also because I think that's a narcissist kind of thing I think it's wild how many jokes you get to make off of kids being naive Cosby was the biggest (laughs) kid naivete comedian of all time Right. You know, kids don't know stuff. You know, that's normal. You know, it's normal for you to, you know, to kind of have a, a funeral for a goldfish for your daughter. You know, it's it's funny kind of, but it's a little like, you know, this person didn't volunteer this information up for comedy. We're talking about <laughs> kids, you know, right. like they can't really consent to just the notion that you're going to go on stage and roast them for an hour. And like, you know what's wrong with kids? 16 things. And they say all these these jokes about how you think the back of the, the moon is the sun or whatever, but that's okay. Kids right. aren't supposed to know stuff. Cosby was just like, I'm making white people laugh off the strength that kids are dumb. <laughs> and I'm going to do that for like 20 years. Definitely you know, and that, that's not a that white cool. tone like to the comedy 
And that's where the docuseries kind of starts off with his early mm-hmm. career, early stand up, where he he is playing for mostly white crowds and he is the safe comedian who who does joke about kids and having the perfect family or just like wholesome jokes. Do you think that route or that type of audience he was serving was intentional? In any way to what he was then doing in the dark behind the scenes? Well, I um, I learned from him also, and this is really just like a like a takeaway, obviously not something he taught me, but something I learned from the situation. I I've been in situations where I felt like I might be um not like selling out, but like pandering a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um to a broader audience for the sake of my career. Um, and never to the point where I felt like I was anywhere near shucking, like I was like, you know, performing too much. But I remember thinking, I'm not going to get too far in anything, especially not entertainment-based, if I don't also have a white audience. Like, it's not going to work. I'm not going to make any money if I'm just just DJing for Black people alone. It's not enough. It's not enough to go around. You know, I need more, you know? And in his time, with him being a standout, it only makes sense that he would think this is, you know, what a 40 acres and a mule looks like. Looks like, you know, being such a good joke teller that white people want you in what almost looks like whites only rooms, you know, and that's okay because you're just that good. Amos and Andy, they went, they, you know, they allowed themselves to, you know, tap dance in front of white people on TV because it was like, is this acceptance? You know, these are the kind of identity issues black people have where it makes sense for you to come out of the civil rights movement and entertain white people and beg for their acceptance because, you know, all we really wanted was that. Never ever equity, never any sort of fair shot at anything. Just I hope want you guys to like us. That's why so much entertainment in this country is rooted in sort of black people and the exploitation of black people because we really, really wanted them to like us. I mean, hardcore. It's deep rooted. You know, no, everywhere you go, you have to to be in the mix. And there's a level of performance just living in the country. And this man was the guy. He was the best of them all. So I, I know there's a complex with that. And when you get there, it's kind of like whenever your mom tells you not to embarrass yourself at other people's houses. You know, I'm not going to go on stage and tell dick jokes because that's not appropriate. But you know who tells dick jokes? People who aren't rapists. Because mm-hmm. they're not straying from the duality of the people that they are. You know, right. I realize it's not appropriate for me to talk about my kids if I have kids and, you know, to pivot and talk about sex for the next 30 minutes. But people who have kids obviously have sex, right? So if you're critiquing the world and that's your job, why are you straying away from all the things? that, you know, humans deal with, but if you don't deal with them, they could turn perverse. Right, exactly. And like you had mentioned before, what this documentary does a great job at is tracking how there was a a light and a dark side coexisting at the same time throughout his entire career. And so at the same time where a lot of people may be pulling the wool back or like the curtain back to say that Bill Cosby was playing for these wholesome, you know, crowds and like he was getting and rubbing elbows with like the right white people and like doing wholesome family children jokes, 
um, you know, to have this like serving, um, attitude for like white people so he can get in the right rooms. And then also he can also access victims easier, like this negative picture of him playing for white crowds but at the same time in the docuseries they gradually go into how he fought for black stunt actors rights and how and how hard he fought for that and how a lot of people still to this day value the effort that he put into that because at one point they were painting white people black um you know like the actual color black not not skin color tone at all where it's believable in any way having them portray us in these stunts so i i have to point that out and get your opinion on does that make you still value bill cosby in a positive light or does that all go out the window because you know what was happening on the other side of the coin um you know i rent i want read a quote that said good ideas don't actually belong to people they're just in the air and if you're blessed with one you just have to act on it and in this exact right i want to apply that button because i feel as though it's great all of the advancements that african americans were able to make off the strength of bill cosby's influence um but if it hadn't have been him it would have been somebody else because the idea was there Mm. it was always going to be there so am I grateful? Absolutely. I don't necessarily think that it, I mean, both things can be true. You know, I can be grateful for the action and choose to completely not acknowledge the person that chose to do it because, you know, at your core, you kind of have to to decide which hills are going to be with a, where I just, I just don't fuck with you no more. You know, like, you know, I get like what you did was amazing, but, you know, you're just not my people. You're just not. I mean, and it's okay for people to do good things and they're not be your people. There's a bunch of rappers I hate who make a song that I like. And I'm like, this is my shit. Don't you not my people. though. I don't want you to think that I'm checking for your album because I'm not. This is just a good song. And as far as I'm concerned, the advancements that he made for black people in the entertainment industry was a great song. A hit. Slap. You know, but does it make him not a it's ignition? It's the remix to ignition, really. <laughs> it's the best. You know, like what I wouldn't do to have that be in high regard still. I would love to highly regard the fact that Bill Cosby changed the game for black stunt actors, but it's the ignition remix. So it has to just exist where that is. Something that amazing that happened that I can't play no more. <laughs> just can't. Wow, that's a really great point. And I love that quote that, you know, just because Cosby did it first doesn't mean it wasn't going to happen if he didn't do it. There's a lot of black people, there's a lot of people in in any situation where society is changing that are going to be the first because they're the first. And a lot of times we honor people for being the first, but they might be the worst. (laughs) It doesn't really matter. You know what I'm saying? Like they could have been the worst of that thing, but the very first. And I can acknowledge both things. This is the first person to do this thing this way. And he did it the worst. Right. Exactly. He did it the worst. But you know what Bill Cosby did the best? Hiding in plain sight. Um, (laughs) Like the Spanish fly jokes came really early. He, He did a comedy album while he was doing I Spy. 
very Mm -hmm. early in his career, way before the Bill Cosby show, where he was excited about going to Spain because Spain, Spanish fly. And the fact that that existed so early in his career and it was somewhat of him telling on himself, do you, do you put stock into things like that? Do you think it's just coincidence or do you think that's him being like, look at me in your face being this guy and you don't even know it? Well, you know, the real issue there is that it's just more a sign of the times than anything. That's a sign that date rape was casual context. Mm. So, I mean, you know what I was saying? I don't, I don't make dick jokes. That was his, the closest thing he could get to a dick joke was a date rape joke. That's, that's how popular date rape was. You know, I think that's what the, the real issue there is. Like, I, you want him to show duality so these things aren't such nasty manifestations that turn into rape. But by the same token, was he enabled by his peers? He had to have been. Because who tells a story like that in public? Somebody who was encouraged you know, like comedians don't just, you know, I mean, even at that stage in his career, I know there's some level of peer review. I know like he wasn't doing improv and said, you know what I'm thinking about talking about right now? Sprinkling some shit and some girls drinks, you know, like that was something that somebody empowered for him. And you can't take that away. I mean, I, I, I tell more personal jokes with people about who all else I think were date rapists, but just died at the right time. I will never say that publicly on the internet because it's really not fair to those people. But the likelihood of a lot of people that we have heralded as great men that just got out of here and being date rapists is pretty high to me. It's from sure it's way more people than we know. It's probably a lot of public figures that we honor that we probably would not if they had lived long enough for us to find out that they were date rapists. Whew. Man. Yeah. Powerful men in the 60s are date rapists. You know, like I just, I don't really, it tracks, <laughs> you know, it tracks the entire time because even, even from that point on, the powerful men that come up under those guys are always trying to track back to that era for that exact same reason. It's still just a disabling of women in some way, shape or form all the time, all the time, every single time, every single president, every single one. And you know what's a a key word that I caught you saying is power. So transitioning into part two of the docu series, they they highlight um, extensively um, Bill Cosby's resume. I, I say they were kind of throwing shade respectfully um, mm-hmm. when it comes to the many shows and the many movies that were considered flops. Like they were kind yeah, of kind of suggesting. Right, exactly. They were kind of sh- suggesting that his career at one point was pasta being thrown at the wall. And so if that was a a continued thing for Bill Cosby in his career where he never caught that Bill Cosby show break or that one thing to make him America's dad or in America's household, like permanently, would he still be the monster that we know him to be today with without that power or that stardom and that access and resource? You know what? You're making an amazing point. And this is, people are going to really find this thought interesting, I think, because 
You're right. You know, I watched every single one of those movies with my grandfather. Let's do it again and let's do all that stuff. Every single one of them. <laughs> they added to my super fandom of him in general. Because to me, he really was super black, you right. know, and there is a pivot in in 1985 with the Cosby show where it's kind of like a mature, you know, I'm a family guy kind of guy. He literally took on a persona from that point on. There was a whole different guy because i mean up until a certain point he's a comedian and he's a little whitewashed but you know there's you know he's got flavor you know everything's still pretty black you know the the staple singer let's do it again comes from that movie it's like one of my favorite songs it's a black ass song it doesn't get much blacker <laughs> let's do it again it's it's black and country too but <laughs> i <laughs> that pivot to him becoming america's dad it did take on this new responsibility that he really really found in high regard if he had been caught with these allegations and his career ended with those you know let's do it again that era you know, I think it's it would have been really easy as a black man for us to get him the hell out of here. I don't think anybody would have ever thought about him having bought NBC. I don't think anybody would have been like, oh, yeah, the nigga from Let's Do It Again is going to buy NBC, right. you know. But that became such a huge defense because, you know, that that the Cosby show energy made him a megalomaniac. You know, it's, it's a, a, a huge sign of the times because during that period of time, Michael Jackson, Bill Cosby, and like, you know, superstardom in general is a huge, huge thing. There aren't there aren't superstars like that now at all, not even remotely. We don't have singular stars in each arena for decades at a time. Right, right. So he was able to really take advantage of the the benefit of it being a pre-internet era anyway, but being technologically enough advanced for him to always be on, you know, in our faces. Right. Imagine having all that exposure, but not having to have the commentary. (sighs) Get away with murder or date rape incessantly. Man. And what helps you get away with murder or date rape or being a monster is choosing the perfect pet cause of of children and education. Um, Being on PBS making a cartoon like Fat Albert. Do you think that, I want to word this correctly, because, you know, like, I hate to take away credit. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. like, as a Black person, like, from a, from another Black creator, but mm-hmm. do you think these things were initiated or created off of creativity and a genuineness or there was this side of like i need to have this layer of good guys so i can get away with being a bad guy i think it probably exponentially grew in both directions i think you kind of have like a little mustard seed of an idea where it's like i'm going to be generally accepted by so many audiences with this shtick right this stick is working so well for me Mm -hmm. Um, let's monetize it as much as possible. And I think he was a nasty dude before we got to that point. So Mm -hmm. I think maybe where he had to be more cautious before that mustard seed, it turned into a, wait a minute, people aren't checking for me here. Like, this is an unchecked arena of my entire life. You know, like, I don't have to worry about this at all. When I walk into the room, the shirt, the sweater says, hello, friend, and that's it. We just about to... (laughs) We are about to really equalize everybody's thoughts about how you see a black man in general in America, which is a great cause to take on if you're not a date rapist. 
But if you right. are, you also have the freedom to know that you're going to have arenas in your life that go unchecked. And that's exactly what he, he benefited from. So, like, the, the more the power came with him using the shtick, the more it was easier for him to go unchecked because his power was bigger than making reservations at a restaurant. So if you can walk into a restaurant and people clear shit for you, you know, just think about what the span is from that point on. You know, how much bigger does that get? Right. You know, at, at its greatest, you're somebody with a lot of skeletons in your closet who nobody's checking for the skeletons. It's just, it's just creepy to, to look back and maybe watch like a Fat Albert episode and think that, okay, possibly this was created just so, you know, he can continue a good guy image. Like it's, it's kind of, it's sickening to break down, like how, how deep does the monster like get into the system? (laughs) Like, is this just like, you like, it's. A one, like you do this on and off or it's like how calculated was it and I feel like he was very much on the calculated side you know it's it's interesting because I mean I don't want to think that he really like used this you know to to mask his actions I want I want it to have come from a genuine place um and I mean a few a few moments in that documentary, Amongst that era that you're talking about where he's doing Electric Company and Fat Albert, um, he also did that PBS special about blackness that they talked about that I thought was really, really like pivotal and like intriguing. And I think that came from a really honest space. And I think that that was all very inspired. And I mean, completely wish it had been a different candidate for that specific thing. Because, um, you know, I always think about how Morgan Freeman was waiting in the wings for his star to blow up while Cosby was just killing the game. It, <laughs> seems, wow. it just seems really unfair because, like, Morgan Freeman, he really didn't blow up until, like, 92. But the entire time he was just sitting there watching Cosby just be nasty and do all this nasty stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's a huge pivot where you're just like, listen. If it's going to be an old black guy, it's going to be Morgan Freeman because <laughs> Cosby a little sus. Like, you know, he could have never, Cosby could have been God and Bruce Almighty had he not been a nasty motherfucker. Can you just think about that? That would have been cool. That would have been amazing. It would have been hilarious, potentially. Um, yeah. <laughs> but no. But it, it's just interesting to me that um, I think that all of that was was honest and inspired. It just, it sucks that it was also able to be used for that other side of the coin. Like, I think, I think all his greatness is true. His artistry was all true. And we can all, you know, if you choose to take that for what it's worth and you decide you can stomach some of that content, I'm pro you enjoying any art that exists on your own merit. I don't think you have to choose not to enjoy Fat Albert if you love it, you know, but if you can't stomach it like me, don't try to stomach it. You know what's hard to stomach? A drug that you didn't know you were taking. Um. Oh, <laughs> listen, that is it. It was great. Like I like to said, I was really waiting for something like very serious too. Because in my head, I'm always the one that's joking too much and stuff like this. And I'm like, I need to tone it back. But, but that is timely, timely. But I do have a question. What's a quaalude? Okay, so do you remember Wolf of Wall Street? Yes. Um, okay, DiCaprio and Joni Hill are watching Family Matters in one mm-hmm. scene and they take these pills and it pretty much disables them. Like it's sort of like being high and 
paralyzed in some ways. Mm-hmm. So you like you lose some bodily functioning control, like your motor skills kind of are disabled. And and a lot of times it was a party drug, even in the period of time that the Wolf of Wall Street is highlighting. So that's like late eighties, early nineties. So right. they existed in the streets the way, you know, you could probably find some Molly, you know. So it was one of those things where if you really wanted the party, you had the means and the connections, you could go get some quaaludes and have a good time um, consensually. Um, but and one of the reasons why it's not spoken about this much anymore is because you lose control. Losing control of your motor skills kind of means that you can't really do anything consensually. <laughs> like, you know, it's like you don't want to, like if a pill that you take on purpose makes it so anybody can do anything to you, Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like you're really straddling a, a dangerous line here. That's a dangerous party. Dangerous it's a dangerous, party. dangerous, dangerous party. Like ideally, if you're taking drugs, it's just to lower your inhibitions. That's it. You don't. You just want to be a little less inhibited, not disabled. That's one of those drugs that disabled people. So it innately was going to have an evil side to it because once people realized that you could buy it, and people weren't going to be able to say no or move, you know. And how nasty, how, um, this is deeper than it needs to be, but rape is insane. It's absolutely insane to be attracted to someone not voluntarily wanting to give you that gift, right? It's insane to be attracted to it. It's insane to be able to be, you know, for lack of a better term, into it. You know, like you don't, like it's insane to be into it. You know, at right. that point, you should seek therapy if you enjoy the idea or notion of somebody being disabled and you wanting to do things to them at all. Touch them. You shouldn't want to touch somebody who can't say, no, don't touch me. But right. whenever you think about the fact that a drug could potentially just make that a thing, and there are men in this world, women as well, that would like to take advantage of that in the sense of essentially what is like sleeping with a corpse. Mm. Mm. <laughs> you know, like you can't tell me that a man that uses quaaludes to date rape a woman isn't also probably a necrophiliac because you can't do anything on these drugs at all. Right. These women that Bill Cosby were raping weren't, weren't even, they weren't conscious enough to fight back even in the scene. Like, it's this otherworldly shit that this man was doing to these people. And, you know, you being such a great conversationalist, you essentially just took all the words out of my mouth because first question was, what's a quaalude, right? And then I'm sorry, I'm too far. Oh, no, no, no. This is perfect. And then next question is, what is consent? And can you give consent while being on a quaalude? And then following that, what's a date rape drug? Because what I loved about the docuseries, it did highlight the fact that, okay, what is a murder weapon? It's whatever was used in the murder to kill that person. And so when people start bringing up this argument that, well, it was a party drug, it wasn't a date rape drug. No, a date rape drug is any drug used to impair someone's ability so you can then rape them. It doesn't matter what the drug they're using is. If they then resulted in raping someone, it was then a date rape drug in that situation. Do you not agree? 
I agree. I argue that if you're on a quaalude from that point on, even if nobody is sexually harassing you in any way, any place that you are, you're being kidnapped. <laughs> you can't do anything. It shouldn't right. exist. You shouldn't be able to disable people with a pill at all. Right. And that's the sickening part and what you were mentioning before that Bill Cosby is a powerful, popular star. America's dad, you know, who's been doing TV and film long before he was America's dad. And so I'm sure there's some ladies who are willingly wanting to sleep with him, right? That's usually how it goes. Stardom, money, status, power. You got ladies, right? But no, he didn't want those ladies. He wanted unconscious women who weren't able to give consent. He wanted those ladies. He wanted to sleep with corpses over the people who were lined up around the block already for him. And that's the sick part. And you know, it's weird because you think, why did you get married? Why did you start a family? Why did you take on these big initiatives to be the person that you are at all? Why did you do this? I'm not saying that that you should have chose date rape as a career, but why the hell are you going out of your way to make sure there's this much cognitive dissonance in how we see you? Literally looking at you walking across stages, giving away honorary degrees without you having had one. Like in schools, colleges, black colleges, we need these things. We need these kind of benefits. We need you to be on boards for things like this. And you're literally touring the country and not touring the country per se. You're literally dragging women to hideouts, places that you go to rape. Not places that you like, literally like this man was going to Reno just to rape because they kept talking about how people don't really go to Reno like that. And Bill Cosby had the star power to, to play in Vegas. I honestly play anywhere in the world, to be, to be honest with you. But he's not performing in, in Vegas because what the block is hot. <laughs> like, what is what is the difference? Why? Why are you in Reno raping women? As opposed to touring the country, just doing better shit with your life, better stuff in general, or like at home with your wife, raising your kids, doing more TV, whatever it is you want to do, Jello, any Coke, <laughs> could be anything. Kodak. <laughs> I, I would have loved to find out Bill Cosby was just shooting up heroin or something. Like, come on, that'd been great. It'd been great news to find out Bill Cosby was just a drug addict. And you know, awesome. you posed a great question as to, okay, so why, why get married? Why have this perfect image of a perfect family? And why be this guy if you're not that guy? And again, back to my original question, is this all to then get away with being the bad guy, which they then pose that question into part three of the docuseries because they start getting into the dynamics of the Cosby show. He's the most wholesome as he can be. He's the perfect family guy because he's molding this show off of his real family and the first the first piece or the first um information you know about uh, dr bill cosby is that he's an obgyn does that bother you at all knowing like thinking back now like okay this man was an obgyn and not only was he an obgyn his office was in his basement yeah 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 yeah, and you know what's crazy? I think in real time you see it and think it's a sign of the times because, you well, not in real time. You see it's a sign of the times. I think whenever we saw it back, Nick at Night era, you know, whenever we were young watching it, we could associate 
the OBGYN office being downstairs the side of the time. I was like, okay, well, people just trust this man. To, and this office is where people go for, con, you know, consultation kind of stuff. Like, hey, I'm pregnant. You're my doctor. But everything that we do operatively, you know, is going to be at a hospital, right? You know, right. I've always kind of assumed that that was the case. Like, he went to work, and that's where he performed the, you know, the services. Now, of course, the entire thing is tainted in general. Like you're not going to be able to watch any scenes where he's talking to a woman about it, about her vagina. And if you actually believe he did this, not now. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the entire show, there's all of these instances where like between him sort of like coming off as this, this super feminist role model um, in front of these women in his office, in front of his daughters, in front of, you know, cousin Pam that they took in and watching Felicia Rashad teach Elvin how to respect Sandra and him just being back there like, yeah, you know, I learned. I didn't know. And she taught me this. That shit is despicable looking now because it's like, you like, really? Like, in plain sight, you were sitting right there in the writer's room watching all these people write all of these really positive feminist roles for these women who are like, are sort of at the top of their game when you think about it. This is the the most popular sitcom in the world. And there's all these black people on it, black faces on NBC. It's must-see TV. Felicia Rashad or Felicia Allen is a dancer and actress who got this big break. And her sister is going to turn into a great director and all these great things are going to happen for black women everywhere because of this show. Everywhere. Mm -hmm. Lisa Bonet. I mean, like, even now the Vanessa Huxtable's hair, like, being, having, you know, really black hairstyles on TV like that, you know, stuff like that was pivotal. And he just sat there and just, (laughs) it sucks. It's hard. It's hard. And it's, it's weird too, because TV one is the only station or network. I know that still carries the Cosby show. Even Amazon just pulled it off of prime not too long ago because I live in a family and sometimes they struggle with the notion because we grew up on it. And sometimes it's like, you know, I kind of want to watch the episode where, or I kind of want to see the episode where, and I had been pretty okay with doing that for this past, you know, since the pandemic, I think I started being okay watching it a little bit uh, during the pandemic. And then he got out and then I couldn't watch it again anymore. Mm. Yep. Well, I, I think it's done now. I don't think I'm ever going to watch the Galaxy show ever again. And then, you know what? It's okay. I'm going to miss it. And I think it's okay to just miss something great that happened if it's attached to something awful because that's just the duality of the world sometimes. Right, exactly. And, you know, some people won't put stock into that. They'll say that, you know, he was a doctor and, you know, it was a symbol of him having money with his office in his house or, you know, they they don't put any stock into that relating that to the allegations. But I do have a question, whereas the Cosby show was molded after his actual family, like his family was featured on magazine covers. You know, they had this perfect image. He was wholesome again, like perfect wife, everything. And so to have a show based off of his family and then the cast then say that they never met the family do you put any stock into that? Because there's also stories about how young women were, would appear on the set, you know, be in the audience and then be led to the Cosby's mm-hmm. dressing room after, or, you know, these young, um, very, um, 
very green actors were being put ahead of like reoccurring actors as for like having a bigger dressing room or having more lines all of a sudden because they're fitting this like you know desirable image that Cosby likes and so do you put any stock into that because I do find it weird that you have a show based off of your family and the cast hasn't met your family at all (laughs) you know and he probably was able to do it under the guise of like separating church and state in general you know like you know this is my work life this is my home life blah 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 um which is a great mental health practice for a lot of people so it's easy to really hide anything under that guise right it's how most men cheat you know (laughs) and i mean and more than likely people just assume that's what it was they were probably like this man is definitely cheating on camille but, you know, that's what men do. You know, I'm sure everybody was just writing it off as that was what it was. But I do put a lot of stock into the notion that that they had never come around um, because whenever you mm-hmm. said, do you think he's doing these shows to be able to separate? Can you hear me? Yes. You, you cut out for okay. a little bit. It was like okay. a good 10 seconds. So we're good. Just continue. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, but... Uh, I do think there's something to that point that you made earlier about him doing these shows and it being able to guide him, like to sort of mask his behavior in real life. Um, I think in this situation, you see that the most, actually, because, you know, granted, Fat Albert being a kid show and he would probably be someplace entirely different in the world whenever he was doing these terrible things. Cosby's show was a little different in the sense that he's an adult. In the show, it's an adult show, technically. He's just a family man. So again, the energy of the room is that Heathcliff Huxtable is in the room, even if he's off, you know, off camera, I'm sure. But whatever he's able to get away with in his dressing room, it makes perfect sense. Because, I mean, that's right there. It's an adult show. This is not a cartoon. We're not at PBS, per se. You know, why can't I have, you know, girls just pull up right here? Now... What he did with them after that, I mean, all all you could want and hope and dream was that it was them wanting to do it. I mean, right. it's all you could hope and dream. You couldn't really hope that he wasn't sleeping with the women. You could probably just be like, I hope that the women want <laughs> to be there. And we're never really going to know all of the the people from that show that may have been affected by that because... I think it's been an unfair tethering they've had to those royalties has, that's been able to keep them sort of lock and barrel this entire time. Like, you got a few Cosby Show people that have spoken out about it, but for the most part, people from that show aren't really speaking about it. And I don't think they will ever want to because, I mean, this has been their bread and butter for a long time. They're probably all greatly indebted to Bill Cosby as a person. Yeah, and that puts them in a very, very tough situation. Um, Another tough thing that I'll say Cosby, of course, went through. His son did get murdered um, while filming just Cosby, not the Cosby show. But that was another pivot in his career where people said that there is a pivot for the Cosby show. Um, But then there is a a pivot when he was on Cosby, when his his son was murdered, because that's when he he had the pound cake speech following or, you know, turning turning the mirror around or, or bullying Mark Lamont Hill and then going off on other comedians and just overly criticizing everything that isn't fitting his perfect image or just what he would like. And people then said that he was no longer America's dad. He was America's angry grandpa 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> what is your opinion on that transition or, or that, that piece of his resume, if you will, over his, his career, people say that, you know, he sounds like a lot of other older black figures or, or just people in yeah. general, or do you think that this was kind of him still hiding under a guise of like, yeah, it's, it's y'all, not me. Like <laughs> y'all need to, y'all need to pull your pants up. I'm perfect. No, don't look this way. <laughs> he was going on an award tour. Really? I mean, it, it was nasty, nasty behavior. And I'll tell you, I'll say this and like, I, I hope that this Ends up being okay because if, if if I go missing, this is probably why. I, I'm really confused about what happened with Ennis Cosby, not because I haven't done my research, because I've done my research on it thoroughly, and I'm mm-hmm. still confused. Mm-hmm. And I'll just leave that at that. But I just think it's confusing what happened to that man. And let the story tell it. It it was almost just complete happenstance because. Ennis Cosby was murdered by somebody who did not know he was Bill Cosby's son, right? right? And that is just, it it doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) It really doesn't. But that's a whole other thing. I do think from that point on, I always assumed that Ennis Cosby was murdered by a black person, which he wasn't even murdered by a black person. But I thought that he was because of that pivot that Cosby took where it seemed like he had just turned into like this anti-hip-hop generation person. I was like, oh, he's upset because, you know, his son was a victim on Black-on-Black crime and now he's, you know, he's upset. But that wasn't even the case. And then I realized, oh, okay, this is like a new narrative for him. This is his final narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, okay, I'm going to go into this now. And my issue with this is deep-rooted. And honestly, this is where this kind of behavior tracks, if you ask me. Whenever you're the kind of narcissist that does not see the tide turning on how gatekeeping actually works, or if it's even necessary, we have a problem. <laughs> uh, I'm here to check any gatekeepers that exist in this worldwide web we live in with all these different kinds of black people. Right. Um, but our our grandparents, they they really love gatekeeping. That's their shit. Like every, <laughs> everything that they everything that they talk about and taught us is based and rooted in having a figure be the the figurehead for an entire cause and letting that be what it is. You know, I even read that Martin Luther King was chosen. You know, to have the drink. Like that was a it was a. I sounds like a joke, but like in the NAACP was like, you're charismatic enough to get this out, so we're gonna pick you as the guy. And ever since I learned that, I was like, oh, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Because from this point on, you know, you go from like this this really weird Jesse Jackson energy and this weird Cosby energy. And I remember thinking, we don't really need you to tell us what kids need to do. There's a bunch of other people to listen to now. You know, like there's more than one comedian that's famous that has social commentary about the world. We can listen to them, you know. And honestly, at the time for me, it was Chappelle. You know, I was like, this this man is figuring things out for himself. You know, like all these people were figuring things out for himself. He was really terrible about passing uh, the baton to younger comedians, which made them resent him, which is why he wasn't able to keep his defense up altogether, because that was literally, you know, an island he put himself on in the comedy world. He was aging rapidly and all of his peers died. Right. And then it was just a bunch of people he shat on that were left. And then he was upset that people were like, you know, we know you're a rapist. 
And that's essentially this entire story. You know, it's exactly what happened. But exactly. it should be noted, we did not need him to gatekeep. And if he had been able to 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 at least accept the new, you know, and like accept the new being like a whole phrase, like things are changing, right? Things are going to change. You, he would have been so much further ahead in his career that more than likely this nasty shit would have never came out. You would have never learned about this if he got along well with Eddie Murphy. If he and Eddie Murphy were friends in the 90s, we would have never found out about Cosby being discussed in person because Cosby would have pivoted into things that were more relevant, would have kept his spirit alive. He wouldn't have had time for us to sit and reflect on how disgusting he is. And I relate that pivot to his original coming into his career with playing into white audiences or yeah. just like really just, you know, shucking and jiving in, in a sense where like, what are you doing? Why are, why are you being so extra to where I, I very much agree that his costume told on himself, like it became too, too obvious where you are being a hypocrite. Like you're, you're telling us again to pull up our pants and turn the mirror around and to look, you know, to be this better image. And, you know, someone had to check them. Hannibal Burris, like, sure. My pants are sagging, but at least I'm not a rapist. Like, (laughs) and that's what it came down to. Yeah. To a T. And that joke was so easy to tell. It could have been anybody's joke. Not because, I mean, Hannibal's amazing too. Like a huge Hannibal Burris fan. But it could have been anybody who told that joke. It just really, it was resonated with how the world is able to see things clearly with the kind of exposure that we have now. Like that that cell phone, it also sparked a lot of people locking cell phones at comedy shows from that point on too. Like you remember that pivot where it was all of a sudden it was like, when you go see a comedy <laughs> show, you're locking your phone up. People say it's about stolen material, but really... It's because they don't want to get caught <laughs> pulling a Hannibal Burris <laughs> because right. Hannibal wasn't really ready for, for that to happen the way that he did. And he'll tell you to this day that it was just a casualty of the situation. He's not really interested in being the, the figurehead right. of the Cosby fallout because that's not what he's about. And I get that. Right. But it should be noted that that's how easy of a bit it was. It could have been, pick the worst comedian you could think. It could have been Joe or Guy Tory that told right. that joke. And we would have been like, What? <laughs> <laughs> you would have been like right along with that, you know, it could have been Bill Bellamy. I'm sorry. I'm picking comedians that I don't think are funny and that's not nice. But and you know what? I'm totally agreeing. I'm glad. Oh my gosh. Every person you named, I'm like, oh my God. Ew, I'm not <laughs> yeah, oh my God. Bill, <laughs> Bill Bellamy, how would you know what Bill Cosby's talking about? What are you talking about? Are you that's famous? Too funny. That is too <laughs> funny. But you know what? You're spot on. Now, have you, like, and this may sound like a random question, but it's not because we made the parallel already between R. Kelly and, and Cosby. But have you heard the song, I Admit It, I Did It by R. Kelly? Yeah, I knew it existed and didn't. And did not listen. So it's it's just him for 10 minutes basically saying, I admit it, I did it. Like he doesn't explicitly say like, oh, I, I slept with underage women. Like he's just saying like, yes, I throw my hands up. I did it. Just take me away. Like I just forgive me. Like I want to move on and be reborn. Right. And so I kind of see a similar like like narcissist, like just mm-hmm. like I'm in your face, just playing with you type of mentality with Cosby when he decided to go on a comedy tour right after this oh, yeah. birth viral moment in 2015 titled Far From Finished. 
Like <laughs> far yes, from finished with what? Like I just felt like it was nasty. It, it was the worst timing. And, and sure, maybe he thought like, no, you're not going to kill me with this quote unquote rumor or lie. But no, I'm thinking that you're kind of doubling down on the nasty of like, I'm America's favorite. I get to do what I want. And I am far from finished from being the bad guy. Do you have that opinion? Like what's your opinion of him Absolutely. still trying to like keep it trucking after that? I mean, you you said it like it is the most narcissistic thing you could ever do. And at a certain point, you have to sort of wonder, like, are you appealing to fans or do you want us to be a cult? You know, like, this is cult shit. Like, stop asking us to do stuff for you after you've been clear. It's been, like, it's clear that you are a terrible person. Like, OJ Simpson does this shit, too. And honestly, I want us to stop. Stop it. Stop that shit. It's so whack. I don't want to hear no... You know what? I if I had done this is how this is how I would have done it. I did. I admit it. Like oh, I'm just a man. You know? Can you please accept me for my flaws? Fuck <laughs> that. I do not care even the slightest. And I mean, as a as a flawed person, like this is not me thinking that I am not susceptible to being any of these people. Should I turn into a bad, bad, bad person? Right. Right. But you have to be clear about these things and like not give passes because I don't think you can discipline or raise men to be better people. If you're not very, you know, this is no gray area, right? Like this is, there's no gray area here. Like I would be ashamed of my son for being on the internet talking about Bill Cosby buying NBC. If he doesn't have access to his accounts, are you his accountant? You don't get on the internet defending rapists. Shut the fuck up. Don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) Even remotely. So, yeah, was it very narcissistic? Absolutely. And everybody that decided to be in line with that, I know they find themselves to be loyal people. But throughout the course of history, Black people have always had to go to the drawing board about what and why we're loyal to what we are loyal to. And this is one of those things where I think we are missing the mark, like dramatically. There's a lot of Cosbians out here. There's a lot of big R. Kellyans out here. Oh. You know, there's a lot of Tory Lanesians out here too. <laughs> I need I need y'all to get it together just a little bit because I really don't think that these people's art is above the offense in any situation at all. And I mean, and Cosby's the closest one to that. And if we had to get rid of the Cosby show, there's no way a chick's tape <laughs> is kicking <laughs> up our fucking iTunes. There's no way. It's not gonna happen. Facts. I definitely agree. Now I will say at eighty 80- 80 years old, he was found guilty on all counts. And correct me if I'm wrong, what was able to get him that guilty verdict were the previous documents in a sealed settlement between previous women that have accused him of allegations where they settled, where he like kind of bought them off, but then also in those concealed documents were him admitting blatantly that, yes, I bought these drugs and gave it to them with the intent to have sex with these women. And those sealed documents were then overturned, which then gave him the right to have that overturned conviction and be free. Yes. Another black man benefiting from the judicial system, right? That happens so often. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like I mean, a clause you're getting off on a clause on a i'm clause. so happy for bill cosby getting off on a clause there's so many of us so many how many black men 
in your the history of your lifetime have gone to jail for nonviolent offenses. <laughs> and there are no clauses. There's never any clauses for these people. But Bill Cosby just gonna rape with how many, like 60-ish people uh, that we know of, mm-hmm. right? Admit to it because it's in a, a sealed document. Like he was told that this was like, for lack of a better term, off record, right. an off record kind of admission. And he was like, well, yes, I'm a rapist. Why are you raping people? <laughs> Glad that you, <laughs> I'm glad that you asked finally in an appropriate way without that record shit, you know? And then basically they used it against him and he was able to get off on a legality. And that is literally what money will do for you. So if in fact you were wondering, can you buy your way white? You absolutely can. Mm-hmm. But Bill Cosby is at home, which for all the purposes, as far as I'm concerned, he's a white man now because only white people only white people commit legitimate heinous crime in a serial way and go home. Now I say, you say you're happy like you know, a black man got off on a clause, but is it, is it oh, something that we're happy? I know. Right. But some people are genuinely happy because they say like he is 80. Even if he did do these things that was in his past, he's not capable Damn. of still doing these type of things now. Damn. Like what type of benefit do we get with him being in jail at such an old, old age? And then of course there, there's the other side, obviously where they say that like, no, like we, we should be able to use these off record or concealed type of documents because he is blatantly telling on himself. Like he is saying, yes, you all have been correct these past few years. Like how can we not use that? It's just like this, this uh, on the fence feeling where I have like, I'm, I'm happy Yes, that there there was a loophole for a black man where like, no, like you can't just be changing the laws when y'all want or moving the goalposts <laughs> right. when y'all feel like it. But at, in this situation, no, like he told on himself, use it. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's nothing else to do. And you're absolutely right. Like it, people are going to say stuff like, how does it benefit us for him to rot in jail? at 80-something years old, as if for some reason there's a cutoff. You know, you can also be president at that age. There are presidents <laughs> at that age that we know of right now. <laughs> you know, and it's it's important for people to see the entire duality as far as I'm concerned. I don't want any 82-year-old presidents, but I also don't want any 82-year-old free-round rapists either. I think if they're going to play the game, if you're going to be elderly and He's going to have a direct peer who can be the president. He should have a direct peer who can rot the hell in jail, just like I would at 26 or 35 or 45 or 50. doesn't matter how old he is. The lesson that society has jail in place for, provided it works correctly, is to serve as an example for other people. Right. You know, I'm not necessarily seeking justice for myself, but I do a much better job at hearing victims before I just assume that, you know, somebody's trying to get them for money. Bill Cosby broke the mold for that forever. I will always read the victim and look them up and see what's going on before I pass any judgment on any sort of those situations. And granted, sometimes my my presumption might be wrong. It might come out that this person was falsely accusing this person of this thing. And you know what happens to me then? Nothing. Because I did not say anything on the internet about it because I didn't have enough research. And if I found enough research, I might have said something, but I didn't have enough research. So you can do a lot of 
benefit to yourself by just choosing to know that, you know, I don't know everything, but at 60 something people think I know enough. I think that's enough for me to be like, hey, this guy should ride. No matter how old he is, I, I want him. I would like for him to go through the woes of having old bones and arthritis and dementia and all the things that senior citizens unfortunately have to deal with without any assistance. Mm. Question: What do you say to the people who say they'll always love Bill Cosby because he was just such a valuable aspect in their personal journey, and then on top of that? Is there a lesson learned for the consumer side of this, of like following these big staple figures in our culture? It, like, where's the lesson for the viewer or the consumer, like indulging in this type of person, like that we call America's dad? But what do you say to those people who are just like, no, that's America's dad. He he taught me lessons, and I, I know that Cosby. I don't know who you're talking about. I would tell them to reflect on all of their personal relationships and see if they're being a martyr in those as well. Mm. Because I mean, you can't you can't just disassociate that. And I've always I mean, I've always felt like, you know, black people can sometimes not just black people, but let's call minorities in any right in this country can sometimes be loyal to things that don't serve them just because they existed. Mm. You know, like how we're so early in our freedom that sometimes it's just enough for it to have existed for us to like pledge our allegiance to it. And I think that is a martyr mentality. And I think that the only way for us to really progress is to be like, Hey, this is bad. I need to critique this for what it's worth. It's worth shit. Like Cosby is worth shit at this point. It's bad. Zero stars. So Mm -hmm. now that that's happened, we have hundreds and hundreds of years to proceed moving forward with new figures and new art and new creators. And they have better guidelines because of this situation in history. If in fact I get so lucky, they'll quote this podcast and put it in the book about why we don't fuck with Bill Cosby no more. (laughs) You know, and and this is the kind of person you should be if you're going to take this route, which is not that now that having been said, that's really how I see things. I think, you know, if you can publicly be, loyal to to something this heinous you might find yourself being a martyr to bad or toxic relationships in your real life as well and you should reflect on that because at a certain point it's just a cult yeah you know i mean you don't believe in the stuff people do right and if if you're not a principled person at all you can just say that but (laughs) what kind of a person is not principled at all yeah right right would you say that there's a lesson in this for the consumer or just a viewer or a black person in the culture that you should not put anyone or anything on a pedestal? Um, even if, you know, it, it looks so great for many years, decades even. Um, is that is that a lesson to to be said or do you fall in the line of the people who are like, no, like we, we do need to have those role models and figures that we look up to and, and value because we as black people don't have many to, to hold on to not saying that that statement is true. I feel like we have plenty to, mm-hmm. <laughs> to look up to, but for those individuals who are looking at like the bigger level of stars of like a Bill Cosby like that, do you like, what, what do you say to that? Well, I mean, there's a huge lesson there. Um, 
But ultimately, I, I think, yeah, as I said before, Cosby taught me not to idolize people, but in a much more grander sense, we need to be able to critique black people. It needs to be able to be critiqued. It's actually not of any value to anybody until it can also be critiqued, like negatively and positively. So I guess the issue there is that if you are holding black figures up as gatekeepers here and they need to be some standard of black person and speak for this arena or this aspect of culture, um, you're begging to be shortchanged on equity, you know, because equity works best whenever all of the pieces fit as they're supposed to. And it works for like a well-oiled machine. So it makes a lot of sense for you to be like, hey, you know, I really like what Tyler Perry's done with Tyler Perry Studios. He has made a lot of money and created a lot of jobs for a lot of black people. I don't like his work. I wish he hired writers. Both of those things are true. And if for some reason you had the opportunity to work with Tyler Perry, you should be wanting to compromise to see some effect in the art that comes from the mind that you, you know, you're choosing to respect. You should be able to critique it. And if you can't critique it, and if that person doesn't work with you because you can't critique it, they're not a collaborative artist and arguably not an artist at all because artists collaborate. So artists take criticism, they take criticism and they collaborate. And I feel like in this situation, trying to be too loyal to somebody just for the sake of the art they offer to the world, you're kind of putting a wedge in that idea. Right. I agree. We should critique him for his for his for his worth. And his worth is terrible at this point. But black people don't really, you know, we're not gonna do better if we don't decide what's bad is bad. It doesn't really do us any favors to champion the bad blacks. <laughs> you know? And I mean, like, there are bad blacks, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't do us like having a flag being waved for R. Kelly and Bill Cosby is not what you want. And another another note I want to make is the Internet is is a like a worldwide web. So, you know, like tweeting or putting a Facebook status up where you're caping for R. Kelly or Bill Cosby is similar to yelling it on the street. Right. And wouldn't you think that was nuts to see somebody on the street like. R. Kelly's innocent. You know, like, where, why are you, what are you talking about? No, he's not. Everybody would be like, no, you're, no, he's not. That's not true. You really care that much that you're going to be on the street yelling and caping for Bill Cosby and R. Kelly? Because if you tweet it or you put it on your Facebook or you put it on your Instagram, that's essentially what that is. You actually have a bigger audience, arguably, than you would on the street. Yeah. So now that's you. We know you for being the person that aligns themselves with rapists if, in fact, it proves your loyalty. You want to seem loyal. That's an honorable trait. <laughs> Doesn't matter what you're loyal to. Just want to seem loyal. Okay. Well, they can have that. They really can. I just don't, I don't think it's beneficial to black people to pledge their allegiance or loyalty to things that cannot be critiqued for what they're worth. I agree. I definitely agree. And so, sure, you can have an idol or a role model, but you have to have that that room to breathe to give that critique and hold them accountable because no one is perfect and everyone is still human. And so, although they can be doing great things in their life, just know that there are also mistakes. There's also bad things happening too. Not saying that they're as bad as what Cosby is doing um, or has right. done, but just realize that, again, we're all human. We all make mistakes. And that if 
if something is to be revealed or exposed, like I, I don't want to go through like a heartbreak again. And so I'm, I'm never going to then say like, anyone's my dad. That's not my actual dad. (laughs) You know, you need to be really careful about that kind of stuff, even in your personal relationships where people are trying to like, you know, overstep their boundaries in there, right? Because it could get really weird and murky very fast. Right. You're like, if people are like, hey, that's my brother. Like, yo, hold on now. You know, know, the the, most of these things, the titles that we really want, the bonds that we have, they're almost at their core trauma bonds, especially if you're minority. Like you got a brother or sister, somebody you would call a brother or sister. Y'all went through some black stuff together. That's why (laughs) y'all there There are people around that call you brother and sister that didn't go through the black stuff with you. And it's like, that's weird, dude. Don't do that. Don't do it. I don't like it. And I feel like in a lot of ways, black people will pledge their loyalty to sometimes things that are not achieved titles. You know, Crosby, he, he did not, you know, use his achieved title. Well, he did achieve the status of America's dad. And then he ascribed himself a rapist. And, you know, yeah. you got to go with that. It's like being a doctor. Doctors go to medical school. They're doctors. You know, Cosby raped. He's a rapist. There's no way Facts. around it. Exactly. And to to wrap this up, um, this documentary or this docu-series was very loaded. Um, like we said, it was very necessary. It had people uncomfortable in some parts, but it it definitely included a lot of information that I did not know prior and Mm -hmm. just, just in a beautiful way. And so I wanted to get a a final opinion on one. What was, what was your biggest takeaway from this docu-series, especially being someone who already had a leg up on how nasty he, he was already in Oh four. What was your, your biggest takeaway after watching this four part docu-series and then just your overall opinion, on how it was shot, the commentary. I will say I wish there was more representation of the people that were in Cosby's life. But of course, like you said before, people are forever indebted to him. So I don't expect them to kind of jump out the window and, you know, share that that opinion. But I just wish that there was just that that one person that was closer to him that we can just be like well if if felicia rashad was in the documentary i'd be like well it's it's, <laughs> it's 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 super confirmed you can't you can't say anything else you know it's if or if hannibal burris was in the documentary i feel like it it has a little bit more weight to it but what's your overall opinion of the docuseries how it was shot the people they included and then your 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 main takeaway um, now I do, I think it was excellently shot. I want to say that first and foremost, uh, the timeline was impeccable and mostly because it was just a, a perspective that was fresh on the entire situation. You know, um, as someone who's always hearing about the notion of separating the art from the man, this is one of those documentaries that sort of gave us a little bit to applaud. For him for, you know, like to sort of conflicted you a little bit at some points, right. um, which is why I think it was excellent because it's provocative. You know, no one knows what it means. <laughs> but, <laughs> but ultimately, um, my biggest takeaway, and I really think that this is the, the biggest one, it's whenever I was discussing Cosby's duality, like who he is as a person, right? Uh, how his comedy and how he operated by separating the church and state of some of the the more 
I guess, salacious sides of, of being a man or being a human being, you know, like, you know, comedians will tell jokes and sometimes like, this is a dirty comedian or, you know, this is a clean comedian. He got on Eddie Murphy for being a dirty comedian and stuff like that. Right. Um, I think that going into that sport um, requires a lot of transparency. And because he chose to choose a character and to lean in on that uh, and to ignore, you know, a, a large side of him, because obviously he's a very sexual being, uh, as we've learned. Um, <laughs> right. um, he probably could have prevented and sort of therapied himself into a, a healthier space with how he how he saw sex and dating. Because, I mean, I can't begin to tell people how much conversation helps us learn. Like it, it's it's key, you know. And there's a, a lot of people who struggle with communication and wanting to let some of those not so appealing sides of them be shared with others. But I think that if you do, you can find a lot of balance in that arena. And I, I think that's my biggest takeaway is to, is to make more nasty jokes with my friends um, yeah. <laughs> because nasty jokes are, are saving me from making nasty decisions. You know, mm. I'm not straying away from the kind of conversations that might mold people uh, and their sexuality moving forward and how they operate, stuff like that, how they date, you know. Whenever I I make uh, a dirty joke to a girl, she is peer-reviewing the thought, you know. Like, maybe it wasn't appropriate, but, you know, I did what I needed to do by getting it off, and she would be like, hey, you know, that's not funny. Yo, is it not funny? Because if that's not funny, I know I also can't do a thousand things, <laughs> you know? Thank you right. for teaching me that person, you know? Like, I'm glad I needed to know that that was inappropriate in some right. And this mm. is not to say that that's, like, specifically happened, but I know that as a human being, I have to find safe spaces for the parts of me that I don't super want to share with the world so that they don't manifest themselves into, like, some um, repressed behaviors. Uh, I don't know if date rape is a repressed behavior for Bill Cosby or if it was just a sport, but I do know that I, I, if it was a sport for him early on and he didn't realize that this is something he needed to really seek help with and change his whole thing about, um, he was clearly way too set in his ways in that right, um, that he was mm. not acknowledging some things about him that he could have talked to a therapist or a close friend or a confidant or his wife or anybody around him about. And it's just, it's, just, it's a shame. Like it's the biggest shame of, of in black, in black entertainment history, Cosby is the biggest shame. I think, I don't think there's a bigger shame. Yeah, I have to agree. But in addition, I agree with that. This docu docuseries was filmed. Great. I loved how it, it made you, play tug of war with oh you love him one minute but then you're like oh I'm just disgusted the next and so it's nice learning that you know he has one of the largest donations to a HBCU it's nice that you know he did do that black history special on PBS a long time ago but you know at the same time there was always an allegation there was always something nasty happening and so I loved how they were able to you know toggle back and forth with that because that's essentially who he was and my main takeaway from this docuseries I would say is that all you got to do is just pay attention 
That's all you yeah. gotta do. Like if he's mentioning Spanish fly 15 times while promoting a children's book on Larry King, maybe that's a red flag. I don't know. Like I didn't, I didn't see that interview live as a kid, but I'm pretty sure I feel like if we were all like not kidding ourselves and paying attention and listening, we could probably string along. Okay. Yes. Cosby. Cosby is that nasty guy that we, we know him. He is today. So all you got to do is pay attention. All you got to do is just listen. And not just in, not just the entertainment. Every, everybody's behavior tracks. You know, it all tracks. Yeah. Like, I'm never going to be surprised by anything. And if somebody was, was being a terrible person recently in, in the Twitterverse, like, you know, it happens every day. Like, you know, it's I call it our bad news machines. Like, we open up the bad news machines to read bad news every morning. Mm-hmm. And, like, we were all discussing whatever this guy was. I can't even remember who he was. But I was like, you know, I've always known that guy was a terrible person. And it's because I've been listening to him speak, <laughs> you know, like it really, and it's weird because you kind of can't go on a tirade just by seeing things that do track. You can't decide, hey, you know, I think this is weird. You know, like well, you can just note, you can just make a note like, hey, I went to Bill Cosby's show today and he made a joke about a date rape jug. It's weird, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I just I just wanted you to know that it was weird. A few years ago, I remember um, Rick Ross was in trouble for you know putting the Molly in a drink and she didn't even know that that whole line. Mm. And I remember saying, "Hey, you know this is weird, right?" Now, of course, he hasn't been accused of anything, but it's okay for me to be like, "Hey, Rick Ross, I'm a fan of yours. This is weird." Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Because I mean, at, at the very least, he's got some peer review where he's like, "Oh, is it weird?" <laughs> Yes, it right. is. Don't you? I mean, not only don't say this. What is it rooted in, sir? Why did you? Where did you get the idea? Right? Somebody told you it was okay to put a Molly in a drink and she didn't even know it. That's funny, because it's not. And that's that's one of those things that if you were to tell a bad joke in a room full of people who were smart, ideally a woman, at least one, if not more, anybody could have been like, "Don't say that." <laughs> Hey, before you go in there, don't say that. That's not, it's a bad idea. He doesn't have the kind of safe space that he needs for these kind of things. You need those kind of things. Not you, not just you. Everybody needs a safe space for their more impure thoughts and ideas if they're an artist, because they need to be sure that it's, you know, it's reined in and they figured, oh, is this why this is not okay? And then they just dead it, and it's never something that is tracked through their work. And we can just move on amicably. I can just go forth every day knowing that Rick Ross is definitely not a date rapist, provided I never hear him say some shit like that. Facts. <laughs> right, exactly. Simple. Yeah, very simple. <sighs> so simple. And I, again, have to thank you for coming on the show to have this deep, heavy talk. And to be honest, we we didn't even touch everything that they mentioned in this docuseries because it was just so much and so long and it's four parts. But I appreciate you being able to, you know, stick your neck out there as a black man and say, you know, yeah, Bill Cosby should be critiqued. He is nasty and he has done some things. Let's talk about it. So I, I definitely Flexing respect that. No, yes. Yeah, question existence, question it all, and keep asking questions until them questions are solved. Exactly. This is something that we need to do. 
lots of um, lessons learned, maybe some information that is fruitful. So I would recommend the next person to watch this because I mean, the the comparison of the date drug uh, to a, a murder weapon, I love that. Um, them mentioning that you can give consent to taking a drug that makes you unconscious, but once unconscious, you can't then give further consent to do anything else. Like there, there are clear ways of doing things. Like if you have a kink of, of, of being with women who are unconscious, yes, there is a legal and appropriate way of going about that, a safe way. And so I just, I really appreciate this docuseries because there was a lot of fruitful, valuable information in addition to just learning about one of our public figures. Um, J.D. Silverthorne. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, just one more note, because you were talking about doing that in a safe way. If, in fact, you find out and learn that you have kinks like that, you should find your people so that that doesn't manifest itself in a different way. Because yeah. that's really what happens. You literally just gave the solution for every human being on the planet who might find themselves having an interesting attachment to something that may not be socially acceptable sexually, there is some place for you to be that safely. Go there. Yes, go there. Find your people. I love that. Find your people. Oh, J.D. Silverthorne, I would like to consider you one of my people. I feel Aww, like we were you. like we're right here. Like you, you get me. Really like we have great that. conversations. It flows. I definitely want to do this again with maybe like another topic. I don't know if you want to go the R. Kelly route. We can, uh, but <laughs> but it will be a very long episode. Just know that. Might seem a little redundant though. I'm just going to like 16 <laughs> times. I'm going to be like. You know, if you nasty, if you nasty motherfucker, stop, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's gonna be a lot of this this kind of same stuff. I'm like, you need to critique people, you know. Right. But nevertheless, this is um this was really fun and it really meant a lot to me because he really was a hero of mine at the time and he taught me not to have heroes. And I think right. that's completely okay. I think it's right. okay. Like I've been able to make myself my own hero and I've been able to find elders that I can latch onto for guidance, but not necessarily fall in line with every single thing that they do because you can't do that. Exactly. I agree. And, and you know what? We won't do our Kelly. We'll do Tory Lanez. I feel like. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. We can be get to that because it's, it's still kind of breaking with him. Right. Like there's so much <laughs> more that goes on. Like whatever we do doing about Tory Lanez might really make like, like some waves. Cause it's like, Oh, this is still happening. We still can't figure out if this guy's a terrible person or not. Right. Right. That's way more intriguing. So yes, we'll, we'll get into some Tory Lanez mess with, <laughs> with Meg the stallion. I appreciate you stopping by. Um, where can people find you? Where can people follow you? Listen, I am still on the internet, and uh, I don't think I have any crazy tour dates right now. But quite frankly, I don't want any. I'm like, I'm really <laughs> enjoying being at home so much. Uh, but yeah, you can follow me. Or listen to What a Time. Sorry, I need to promote my podcast, which is back. <laughs> um, cool name. Jasmine and I, you know, we bought back the podcast. Um, so at what a time cast on Instagram, um, what a time cast.com. we got new episodes coming out. Our more most recent episode is about Jamie Foxx, uh, in his career. We've got part two coming out probably around the time this might come out. So, um, yeah, we're, we're still doing a few big artists. We're going to do Martin this year and getting the Def Jam and a bunch of other great, great black things from the nineties. So it's going to be a really fun podcast here. I'm still DJing and, you know, we're just going to keep on trying to support our families the best way we know how in the midst of whatever you call this period of time 
pandemicflation, recession, pressure, war. There's <laughs> oh, a bunch of stuff going on right now. You know, at the same time, it's a very long-worded amount of trauma that this country is, is, is existing through right now at the same time. So, yeah, just staying safe. You can find me staying safe. Yes, definitely. I'm glad to hear you're staying safe. What a time is back. You're still DJing, maybe not as much as you want right now because, you know, you said you want to chill and relax, but you'll get back into it, I'm sure, for the summertime. So hopefully I can see a live set in the future. Um, Yeah. And of course, Tea with Tammy is on all streaming platforms. Go to TeaWithTammy.com for more information on when content is to drop. And until next time, you don't have to turn the mirror around, but please sip some tea. (laughs) Fire. Love that. I had no idea. You say that every time? (laughs) Sip some tea? Yes. No, the turn the mirror around part? No, that's that's for Cosby. Fire. Like, that's great. I just really like the combination of things that she would do in the morning, right? Right. Until next (laughs) time, like, (laughs) until next time, ponder on the question, what was he doing with the pound cake? (laughs) And sip some tea. I I still can't believe he said that. I still can't believe he was like,